0: I I don't treat this like a counselling session
1: Oh, I'm here to listen (laughs) Hello (laughs) My my name is Juan and you're listening to Birthing Babes Today we're going to talk to Charlie of Charlie Design Hi, Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm just going to give you a little content warning We're going to be talking about divorce, fertility issues, um, high risk pregnancy and cancer as well uh charlie do you want to tell us who you are and what you do yeah
0: sure um so i'm charlie and i mainly paint pots Mm -hmm. um so yeah i run charlie designs and i am lucky enough to live close by to one so really happy to be here thank you
1: awesome (laughs) How long
0: have you been painting pots? Oh, um, not long. No, um, I started on maternity leave, so yep. um, my baby Lulu is um, eighteen months now, and um, yeah, so I I started when she was about six weeks old because I couldn't afford Christmas presents. Yeah, um, on maternity, like I didn't get any maternity pay. Yeah, um, and yeah, and then I just really loved it, and it just tapped back into my creative side which I just abandoned for like a decade and um yeah and then it just um I was very fortunate it grew and people seemed to like it so yeah I don't want to ever go back to an office
1: what were you doing before that
0: so before that I was actually a communications manager Mm -hmm. um I worked for a peak body in disability disability employment um which I did love as well and so I did you know sort of I did interviews and um, writing and graphic design and yeah social media marketing um yeah so I did that for probably five years and before that I was actually in the international development field so I worked for World Vision um I've got a master's in international development and yeah so um it's been yeah i've been mainly in the communication space so so
1: yeah and how does it feel to not do all that anymore and being a full-time artist
0: great yeah. <laughs> i mean the financial pressure is massive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so notwithstanding that um that's that's definitely the hardest part and and learning the ropes of building a small business mm. you know i i I had no idea and I actually had no drive ever to have my own business. Um, But now that I do, it's, um, yeah, it's just been like a baptism of fire. Um, But it's so, like it does actually take up 24 hours a day, your brain space. You're always thinking about it. But I've never been so passionate about what I do and I've never felt so driven. Um, Yeah, so it's Yeah, it's one of those things that you just don't know until you jump into it. Do you remember the first pot you sold? Yes, um, I got a commission very early on um, from someone who'd seen one I posted and um, it just felt, I mean, it was a friend, so I was like, maybe they're just doing it (laughs) to be nice or to encourage me. And then I did get a few other friends, commission me, and then it turned into sort of people that I didn't really know or that friends of friends and when that started happening I was like like I I'd always loved painting and loved art but I never thought anyone would want to buy what I did like that was (laughs) that that still blows my mind to this day yeah
1: what was your biggest challenge in setting up your own business
0: um I know that everyone says, yeah, you don't make any money for the first few years, Mm. but I mean, I guess because I'd done some, I'd done some like freelance for graphic design and that, and so you sort of get an idea for quoting based on an hourly rate, like, Mm. oh, this logo design or whatever it is will take this many hours, and so I was sort of starting based on doing that, but then of course I'm basically doing a similar thing, like someone says I want this on a pot and it's very much like a logo design you go back and forth until everyone's happy and then I've got to buy the pot and the paint and physically paint it on (laughs) which takes hours and hours more than doing a logo and then um, packaging costs and you know pots are very breakable so um, you know and but then there's a limit to what someone will pay for uh, you know on a pot so just finding that middle ground where uh well I wouldn't say I exactly make a profit (laughs) but you know it's not just like me working for two dollars an hour basically and my designs are you know they're pretty time consuming generally so um yeah that's that's still a battle I face um and I haven't really worked out the yeah the best way to price what I do in terms of how much time um and factoring in the cost of the product as well (laughs)
1: Yeah. Just to give you an example, yeah. um one of Charlie's latest pot is Dolly Parton. So a portrait of Dolly Parton <laughs> yeah. on the pot. Yes. So it, it it does look time consuming. It is. It does look like hours and hours it worth is. of work yeah. goes in there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um and they're not replicable. Like, I'm so silly. Like, I'm not a business person at all. Like, if, you, if I was to paint Dolly Parton on a canvas, then I can get prints of it and, yeah. um, you know, sort of replicate it and then sort of make the time, the money back that way. But you can't scan a pot. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm, I'm really um, I'm working on building a bit more, uh, you know, some more products into my business so that I can make it more Could you viable. take
1: a photo? you could a definitely risk yeah photo. you could
0: take a photo because the the curve happens it's a bit you yeah. know unless people didn't mind a photo of a pot <laughs> <laughs> you know but um no I definitely need to paint some things on flat surfaces and yeah. um and then get them scanned and offer prints because people want prints as well yeah. um yeah so
1: hopefully in the next year or so I'll figure myself out a little bit more it takes time to know exactly what you want to do and where you want to go within the business yeah
0: yeah it's definitely and and you know obviously from the start i i never factored in wholesale like there was just no way so um you know to to cut 50 percent is just not possible for me right now Mm -hmm. doing it as i do so yeah i probably would you know in hindsight if i knew i was going to Start a business, I would have done maybe a bit more research rather yeah. than just running into it.
1: A lot of people start their business um, with the cheaper price point yeah. because, and I'm talking from experience here, I didn't value my time. I feel bad for charging people yeah. <laughs> a lot of money, um, you know, because when you, when someone asks you, okay, how much does it doesn't make to make something. For example, and I would just say $2 because yeah. it's just numbers I pulled out of my yeah. butt. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, it cost me $2. I'm like, why don't I just sell it for 5 mm-hmm. But you don't see your time. A lot of people don't see their time as expense and, mm. and put in the costing, which is really hard. Yeah. And the driving around to suppliers and yep.
0: photographing. Because the, that's just us yeah. working, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, we don't pay ourselves. <laughs> And that's one of the goals, one of the goals that I want to achieve this year is to pay myself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so a lot of people start their business with not considering wholesale at all, which is what I did yeah. and when I started selling to shops. And they tell me, Oh, we'll take 50%. I'm like, Yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's crazy. It is, yeah. Um, yeah, so keep in mind that when you, you know, if you want to start your own business, um look at all the margins look at all the markups make sure to incorporate the wholesale side of it in there then that way your price you're safe you have a
0: yeah good barrier
1: and make money hopefully from your sales
0: and maybe don't choose something that takes you like two days to (laughs) do one of (laughs) um yeah that is hard isn't it (laughs) it's so silly but i i love it what can i say
1: yeah and what does your partner do? So he's a
0: researcher. Um, mm-hmm. He's completing his PhD. Um, yeah, he's uh, looking into sort of um, outcomes for refugees and migrants. Nice. Um, yeah, and he also does uh, research in the family um, violence sector. So, yeah. Yeah, he's a smart cookie. Yep.
1: Yeah. So how was the pregnancy with Lulu? Actually, no, you know what? Yeah. I'll get you to start. I'll get you to tell me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. where you want to begin yes it's
0: it's a very epic story that I'll try and uh keep as succinct as possible I actually first started uh trying to have a baby when I was 20 years old yeah which is quite young these days mm-hmm. um I'm 36 now <laughs> so I was married I'm I married uh, very young at 20 mm-hmm. and we very quickly discovered that we couldn't have kids? Yeah. Um, well, you know, we'd been trying for probably uh, a year and a half, two years, and we started getting investigations after that. Yeah. um And yeah, and then we um, moved on to IVF. Mm-hmm. So I was sort of like, yeah, uh, uh, in my early twenties. I think probably I was around 24 by the time we actually were doing cycles of IVF. Um, and uh that was just I was trying to do uni and then I was you know was sort of going and getting like an egg transfer and then catching a tram down to you it just felt very surreal yeah um and um yeah we were unsuccessful uh in in IVF um and then we sort of moved on to looking into inter-country adoption because mm-hmm. we we'd spent a bit of time in Kenya and done some work over there and sort of I had uh, you know I was pursuing what I thought would be a career in international development and yep. so we we did feel like we could offer you know at least something there um but yeah then you, I don't know if you're aware of this but um you can't uh, you can't like do IVF and be on an adoption list at the same time even though you could be waiting yeah you know five ten years on a list you actually can't you can't even be on a local adoption list um okay and and um do IVF or any fertility treatments yeah um so yeah it's sort of always one or the other so then we we did um we actually pursued Ethiopian adoption and we were on what was called like the, conf- the confirmation of expression of interest list mm-hmm. for probably a year and then they shut the- so that's not even the actual waiting list like that's the waiting list to get on the oh waiting list And then they closed that program down and so we sort of went back to square one and then we pursued local adoption Mm -hmm. um, and we were sort of waiting there for a couple of years and all this time like infertility is just such an awful thing to go through especially Mm. um, well at that age so many of my friends were having kids Mm. and it was just such a uh, it's I don't know. It's just something that affects every facet of your life. Um, And sort of as soon as that switch goes on, um, that you want a child, it's like you just can't switch it off again. Um, But I tried to, you know, sort of, yeah, I continued studying and and all this to make sure I was sort of doing something while I was waiting. Mm. Um, And then, uh, yeah, our marriage went (laughs) bust, I guess yeah um we yeah after about eight years we we divorced Mm -hmm. won't get too much into that Mm -hmm. (laughs) but obviously divorce is a horrible horrible thing to go through Mm -hmm. um and yeah and then um and then yeah basically I was just out in the world single for the first time dating um for the first time ever you know I'd been with my Ex-husband, We'd been together since I was 14. Oh, my gosh. So I'd never dated. I'd never ordered a drink at a bar, like, without <laughs> him around. Yep. Um, you know, my, my girlfriend, Jane, had to actually take me out and teach me. I was also after divorce, I was very uh, insecure. Yep. I felt, like, very vulnerable. I felt very unlovable. Yep. I felt like I'd been thrown in the garbage heap and no one would want me. Oh. <laughs> so yeah I just I was I would be like nervous introducing myself yeah. I'd be shaking and yeah my friends just like even if I went on a date they'd be like there in the bar Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um just as moral support these poor guys just <laughs> um yeah and um luckily I had a few like a couple of just sort of short-term but really lovely relationships that kind of got me mm-hmm. um confident again and realized that I do have like something to give and mm. um and yeah and then um yeah fast forward a few years and um I'd actually known my partner like my current partner John uh, um I'd known him for like a decade mm-hmm. um we'd been friends um and uh we'd actually worked together at World Vision mm-hmm. um and so throughout that time um we'd always kept in contact and um you know we'd caught up for Dinners and everything, but it was always a very platonic mm. thing. Um, yeah. And then uh, we both sort of found ourselves just, I guess, single at the same time and wanting the same, you know, wanting to go in the same direction mm-hmm. in life. And obviously we'd had this strong friendship and we sort of had a very awkward conversation where we were like, okay, we're sort of like mid 30s now. And um, yeah, should we give it a go <laughs> like yeah. you and me? And it was just um, – it was literally just, like, a conversation like that and and then, like, oh, okay, well, maybe we should um, try and go on a date. And and it was – I felt very – like, I felt comfortable with him because he was a friend, but I also felt very scared because I felt like as soon as you cross that line, then there's no going back. Like, I was – I would lose that friendship. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to lose the friendship. Um, but, you know, time, time was ticking as <laughs> well. <laughs> So yeah, um, we literally uh, we went on um, a first date, and within a month we were pregnant. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was just like bang, yeah, like literally, literally. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so yeah, he had to like Mm -hmm. move in and stuff. Yeah. So. but it did feel very much, like, after so long, like, so from the time I first started trying to have a baby mm. to when I actually fell pregnant was 14 years. Yeah. And so for me, like, I, although it felt very quick in, obviously, that relationship, and it was, um, for me, it was just, like, I felt like I'd been waiting for that moment mm. um, for ever, and it just was so surreal. And it just and it also felt so right like it just the way it just happened um you know i I'd, I'd heard people talk about falling pregnant like that but i actually never be- like i never really thought it could be possible cuz yeah. of my experience and then when it happened to me i was just like i just i actually couldn't believe it for basically the whole pregnancy i was i was in like i, I didn't want to get my hopes too high yeah. um i just thought no, until I'm actually holding her and she's on my chest, that's when I'll believe it. But yeah. this is just so surreal. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that's exciting. Yeah, it was it was very exciting and very surreal. But yeah, so at the same time as that was happening, um, so my best friend Jane, who I mentioned earlier, mm. who took me on the dates, I mean, <laughs> um, took me, you know, chaperoned me. Um. So she had also decided in her early 30s that she she really wanted to have a chance of having kids. Mm. So she started to pursue that herself. Mm-hmm. Um, she looked into, like, um, you know, donor conception and IVF for single women. And as they were doing these uh, investigations for her, they actually found that she had ovarian cancer. Mm. So... Um, yeah, so she got diagnosed um, with ovarian cancer actually at 32. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah, so she was she had chemo and, and all of this and, and they couldn't uh, save any of her eggs or anything like, like that. Um, but when we knew that it was sort of getting bad um which it was um for her the prognosis wasn't great because she had a recurrence after two years um and that was in her bowels so she like as soon as they diagnosed her she had to have a complete hysterectomy so it was just like because
1: of the stage it was yeah
0: because of the stage and how far it had spread Mm. so it was like this very immediate Mm. yeah um your fertility options are over Mm. this kind of thing and then she said to me and this is before I started dating John she said I just want to be able to see a birth I I, I want that to be on my bucket list and of course I said that if I mean I felt like it was never gonna happen for me but I said if it ever happens for me I want you there Um, and yeah I, like because I, I knew she'd be a wonderful birth partner and it was something small that i could give her in the fight of her life um so yeah um when it happened and i was able to tell her that i'm finally pregnant and that she could be there in the birth it was just like we just cried like we just cried and cried because it did just she'd obviously she'd been through the whole journey with me you know we'd been friends since we were 12 so she she was my bridesmaid at my wedding and she would known me through all the infertility and and yeah so um so yeah I got to have her and John in the birth with me which you know she um she passed away on December 30 last year which um you know which meant that she she um she actually got to be at Lulu's first birthday as well which was something we didn't expect as um so that was such a huge um you know those those photos are so precious to me now um but yeah so to have her there with me and to have that experience as a memory of her and be able to I'll be able to share that with Lulu um that's just yeah I mean she she wanted me to do it for her but in the end it was something she actually did for me um yeah and I feel very privileged that she was there so yep yeah I didn't cry (laughs) so on top of all this um uh, before i was pregnant um i had been diagnosed with some blood clots dvt and p pulmonary embolism in my lungs and i'd had two rounds of blood clots so the doctors the hematologists had always said to me if you ever fall pregnant Uh, you know, you sort of have to immediately get on Clexane injections, which is blood thinning injections um, because your risk when you're pregnant is like, so the first time I got blood clots was attributed to the pill.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And so any kind of hormonal uh, difference um, means I'm at high risk. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was, I was immediately a high risk pregnancy because of that. Um, and so yeah, every day of the pregnancy I had to inject myself into my stomach, mm. <laughs> which just felt so wrong. Like it yeah. just, you know, especially when they they start moving around and it's tight and yeah. um yeah, so um but they always assured me that the needle could never reach the baby. So um, do you
1: have to pinch the skin? Okay.
0: Yeah. I know. So I I just got um like when she got really big, I sort of just did it low towards my pelvis like yeah, right. and okay. it just was you know I'd feel a like kind of move away and stuff so I you know I don't know maybe I was just sort of making that you know up in my mind but um yeah it wasn't it wasn't pleasant but of course you do whatever you have to do mm. you know I wasn't going to risk anything um so, so
1: is that m- more for you the yeah. Injections.
0: yeah, well, they were just to make sure I didn't get any blood clots because, okay. yeah. obviously, if, if I got in a blood clot, then it would be dangerous for both of us. Yeah, um, yeah so – but it also meant that um, I had to be monitored a bit more regularly and um, it meant that I couldn't have I, – I would have to get induced because okay. um, they – they wanted to make sure i that i came off the clexane within sort of two days of giving birth because of oh my the bleeding issues and also um you can't have an epidural if you're on clexane so if i just like spontaneously gone into labor then that option would have been off the table for me yeah um and so yeah they sort of they induced me at 38 weeks and I had to come off the Clexane for a couple of days prior Yeah, um, and then um, go back on um, just after birth and for another six weeks just to make sure it was clear. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I was uh, – I did that and I went in for the induction.
1: Where did you have Lulu?
0: I had Lulu at the Mercy. Yeah. Um, and – yeah, uh, and so yeah, I liked being induced. Actually, like I was very scared about it because um, I, you know, I, I'd heard some horror stories about mm. nothing progressing or mm-hmm. all of this. Um, but the actual birth itself, I didn't, you know, it's it's or obviously horrible <laughs> in some ways, like in terms of pain, but. Um, as far as birth goes, I think that side of things, the labour, um, was as good as it could have been. I mean, I actually didn't ever have a break between contractions. So in hindsight, I could have maybe asked them to reduce the drip a bit.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Um, because I only ever had like 30, 30 seconds maximum from the start. Oh, my God. Between contractions. So there was none of this, like, talking to my partner. Yeah. Or, no, it was, like, on um, from, from the start. Um, I Like, I went in, they broke my waters and put me on the drip. Um, I had the TENS machine. Mm. How was that? Yeah, I really liked it. I felt it very comforting. Like, I, I liked being able to do something during a yeah. contraction. But it was very early on it was taken off me. Um, because it was interfering with her heart rate so oh. they they had to put a the, like, monitor thing on her head and mm-hmm. um and yeah and they sort of took me off that and then you know, I was like I was always desperate for a water birth I just really mm-hmm. wanted a water birth um of oh, Pisces I don't <laughs> know I was really <laughs> but they said that would never be possible for me so i don't know like
1: because of the induction or because of the high risk the high risk yeah
0: so that was i always knew that would be off the table sadly but then because of the because i was hooked up to the machines and the monitor and all that i actually could never leave the bed really i was like hunched over the bed but it wasn't a very active you know i wasn't um able to really go around the room or go on a ball or anything like that was very hooked up Mm. um but I was so inside myself and in the moment like I wasn't allowed uh labor (laughs) I just very much went inside myself and I couldn't really notice what was happening around me um so I guess yeah I didn't it wasn't like I was demanding to be unhooked or something. But, in, yeah, again, in hindsight, probably would have preferred to be, yeah you know, able to move around a bit more. Yeah. I actually got, um like, after, you know, a day, I saw myself in the mirror and I had carpet burn oh all my up my chin yeah. and neck and because I'd been, like, bearing down on the bed mm. and the sheet had been there or the towel or whatever and I'd given myself oh. this massive carpet burn. <laughs> but, yeah, so... Yeah, the I, I was so hot too. They didn't have a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Jane and John were sort of getting these jugs of ice and sort of dunking towels in them and placing them on me. Um,
1: when was Lulu's
0: – when was she born? She was born on November 4th, 2019.
1: You'd kind of imagine
0: – It was so hot. It was <laughs> just like –
1: because you'd think the room would be... I know.
0: You'd think there would be an air con or... Yeah. I, it's something I didn't consider. I would definitely be bringing a fan or asking about fans. Mm. You know. So you said it was a short labor? Mm. Yeah, it was. So um, it was six hours all up. Um, four hours of active labor and two hours of pushing. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, which I didn't know. Um, I didn't know anything about time passing at the time, Um, but, uh, yeah, so um, I didn't know that I'd been pushing even for a long time until they sort of threatened me with the episiotomy. Oh, no. Yeah, so I hadn't had any um, drugs, I had the TENS machine, Mm -hmm. and I... um, they offered me gas at one point and I took one puff and I really I didn't like it I mm. couldn't breathe properly mm. um yeah so um yeah and because it progressed so quickly and I had sort of no break I I didn't yeah it just I was just sort of so inside myself that it wasn't like I I went in there going, I'm not going. I'm going to have a drug-free birth um, or anything like that. I wasn't adamant about anything. Um, I would have. I wanted to try it because of um, because of my ex- for how long I'd wanted to have a baby. I sort of, in some sadistic way, wanted to feel everything. Yeah. Because I really wanted to experience um, birth and pregnancy. Um, being a mum, I I did want to see how far I could go with mm-hmm. it um obviously it's there's no describing what the pain will be um you know before you go in um I did some hypnobirthing classes beforehand and I do think that that really helped yeah um so I I was you know in the mindset of the pain is positive and each surge is sort of a step closer to meeting this baby finally um so I think that, that did definitely help my breathing and um, me being able to, yeah. It's not like I said no to the drugs. I just, it just never really even entered my mind um, mm. until probably the end. <laughs> um, yeah. And um, so with the, the pushing, um, she was a big baby she was for me like i'm not huge um and she was four kilos mm-hmm. and she had a big head mm-hmm. gosh i can't remember like 52 i can't remember oh exactly gosh. but she had a big head and she didn't have a fontanelle like she had like a tiny tiny little fontanelle which they actually had to check after because there was no malleability in her skull like it came out like this round um she didn't it didn't budge. So I think that's why it took me so long to push her out because it was just like this perfectly round, big head. Oh <laughs> yeah, so um, – and I'd always been told she'd be a big baby, so I was sort of prepared for that, um, but I wasn't prepared for the head thing. <laughs> um, yeah, um, and then um, – so, yeah, the the pushing um, and, and that sort of transition time – was very like i thought i was dying i actually thought my whole body was splitting in half um i thought there's no way anyone could survive this like this is like yeah i'm being ripped open um yeah and uh um then um finally (laughs) she came out I remember actually you know them showing you the mirror and then like did they do that no yeah (laughs) (laughs) so they offered that they said oh do you want to see her she's almost out and um (laughs) she was so bald like she had not one strand of hair on her head that it just looked like this white bone Mm. sort of stuck there I don't know it was just it was not what I was expecting because I'd seen so many documentaries and, you know, the the hairy baby's head yeah. sort of coming out. And it's, it's just like this white. Mm. No, it was – yeah, I was a bit scared by it actually. Um, yeah, and then um, – yeah, and then they, they pulled her out and they, they put her on me, which, again, was a really surreal feeling. Mm. I was not expecting that. I sort of uh, – it was like this like slippery bag of bones oh gosh I, that's how i felt like i i don't know like you know you you've held babies before and you sort of expect it to feel like a baby but it's like she's all wobbly and yeah, yeah. yeah and slippery and um yeah um and they put her on my chest um and they gave me the injection for the placenta and um and she was like covered in blood so I was hemorrhaging pretty bad which I didn't really know in that moment I knew she was covered in blood but I thought that was kind of normal (laughs) um and uh anyway she's on my chest and I'm trying to have that um golden hour or whatever trying to feed her and then suddenly um there's just a lot of people in the room and they're you know they were starting to be very violent with me so they were they were pushing on my stomach and a few of them pushing on different parts of my stomach and uh, some were up inside of me and sort of like pulling on me and stuff and I had no idea what was going on like I was like god just leave me alone I'm trying to have this moment with my baby and I was actually like and I'd also felt like I've just been through the most insane pain I've ever felt and now you're like adding to it like I'm you're really really hurting me and I was just actually I'd been pretty silent throughout the whole labor until that final push which I did have a bit of a scream which Jane actually took videos and photos the whole time so I've got all these amazing videos and photos um which is just so precious so I, I I actually see the moment she comes out and everything like that um and so yeah that was sort of the time I I did just let out a yell um but the rest of it had been really silent until they they were doing this and I was just screaming no stop you know stop you're hurting me stop and I was crying and I just I didn't I did not know what was happening and um yeah and then um they basically said your placenta is not coming out it's not coming out at all um and so they were kind of like yanking on it Mm. And, of course, I hadn't had an epidural. I hadn't had any painkillers. So it was just – and, yeah, I'm trying to deal with this baby on me and just – I didn't understand. Um, I I really didn't understand why they were being suddenly so violent when they'd been so, you know, caring in life. I just was like, this is not something I was expecting at all Mm um and yeah then they when they said that the doctor like so by that time the the room was pretty full of people and um the doctor said to me after I was like I was very much saying stop touching me get out no and so she sort of stopped and looked at me and said um well you've got two options now either (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is literally what she said. She's like, I reckon if I stick my hand up there and put three fingers behind it and then yank really hard, I'll be able to get it out. Or you'll have to leave your baby and go into theatre, go under a general and they'll remove it surgically. So what do you prefer?
1: <laughs> Was she nice about it?
0: No, she, well, I mean, she said it exactly like that and it made me feel like a coward. I didn't want her yanking my placenta out. That was clearly very much still attached to me. Um, But the way she phrased it was like, you know, either you let me do this to you or you're going to have to leave your baby in its first few hours of life and we'll have to, you know, get you anaesthetised and all ready. And it felt like an inconvenience. Um, But I was done. Like I was done with the pain and I was, I, I knew I couldn't bear one more moment of that agony. Um, and I was just spent, you know, you're exhausted after um, after labor. And I said, you um, know, I, I want you to take me into the surgery. And then they had to come and sort of tell me the risks, like, you know, like get me to sign the paperwork. And I just remember one of them being like, if, you know, there's a potential that you might need a hysterectomy if something goes wrong or whatever. And it was just this moment where Jane obviously was in the room and she'd had a hysterectomy and we just like caught eyes and I just started crying and she was just so reassuring just with her eyes. I can't even explain it. She was like, it's okay. You're going to be okay. And I knew that's what she was saying to me, even though she wasn't actually saying anything. Um, and yeah and then so i was still hemorrhaging which i didn't know um and yeah and so then i um yeah i i went into surgery um and they uh you know they they removed it um and they could also stitch me up and everything when i was in there and um and then yeah i didn't i didn't come out until like maybe four or five hours later so in that time again thank god jane was there because my partner would have been just alone with this baby Mm. and not knowing if i was okay um i mean he was getting sort of vague updates throughout you know when he was asking like oh no no she's okay she'll be okay um but he didn't know anything he just saw me sort of get very violated in front of him screaming to stop and then get wheeled away and he's left there with this Brand new baby, um, yeah. And so, anyway, um when I after I'd been in recovery and and got wheeled back down, um, yeah, then it was just like this surreal sort of seeing the baby again, and and I was just sort of obviously I was pretty high or whatever. I, I had all the you know, I was coming down off of getting the general. Um, mm-hmm and I was just like a whirlwind of a day Mm -hmm. and um and I couldn't get up or anything because I'd lost I'd hemorrhaged again in the surgery and so I'd lost a lot of blood and um actually every time I even tried to sit up I felt very faint Mm -hmm. and um yeah so it was uh, again like so we had a couple of hours and like mom and stuff got to come and meet the baby but then they sent john home you know because it was shared space. yeah it was a shared space so we'd asked for the family room but because um because i was high risk and i had something go wrong then i had to just um go into the ward and i just i mean I, I understand they need you to be on the resource beds in case something goes wrong and i get that but oh god i wish that he could have stayed even just on the couch, on, on the chair in the room because I actually couldn't get up to care for the baby mm. um so she was um spluttering and stuff you know all the fluid they swallow mm. um and I couldn't get up to turn her to help her vomit it out I couldn't even reach her so I had to be like pressing the buzzer for the nurse to come and help mm. with that kind of thing and yeah I was just like yeah suddenly alone after this surgery and mm not being able to care for the baby and not knowing really what had happened in that last part of labor like just knowing that it was really violating but not understanding yeah and um yeah and then um it actually took me three days to be able to get out Mm. up off the bed so (laughs) I didn't have a shower or anything after labor for three days Mm. um and then yeah my partner had to like sort of shower me and help me stand and everything um and yeah and then obviously down you know I need to end up needing iron infusion and, Mm -hmm. and all of this um but um yeah so I didn't find out until when the midwife visited my house like the week after and I sort of was debriefing about the birth and saying like they were so rough with me and there was everyone pushing on me and pulling at me and it was hurting and and she's just was very blunt um and just said they were trying to save your life and i didn't like i didn't know until that point that because
1: no one keeps you yeah updated
0: yeah and i d- i didn't know not birthing the placenta was that serious mm. like i thought yeah, they'll just get it out. Like whatever, they'll take it out. So I didn't know it was had to be sort of within a time frame, and why, you know, and that I was, I was bleeding, and yeah, I just, yeah, I guess the urgency of what they had to do just sprung them all into action. But for me, I was just like, whoa, like everyone's being really mean right now, um, and and it, yeah, um, so I guess even though she said that to me in a really blunt way. Um, help put things a bit more into perspective for me like it I mean it made it very real but I think I needed to hear why they behaved that way and yeah. it wasn't just like this lack of care um yeah. they were actually just really doing their job um but yeah I'd gone in without I didn't know that that was a possibility I knew you could get retained placenta like you know if not all of it came out properly or you had a c-section and something was retained. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know that the whole thing could just not come out.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah. <laughs> scary, scary stuff. Um, and it's made me very cautious of like, I'm not sure where I stand about having giving birth again. So yeah, that's, um, I'd love to, but, it's yep. a massive fear of mine now because I did say that statistically it's likely it will happen again um, with the placenta. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, maybe if I just got an epidural from the start or if I just opted for a C section or something, you know, there'd be a ways around it, but I'm scared.
1: <laughs> but how would you have known?
0: No, exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how? so jane and john Mm -hmm. john and jane (laughs) yes how were they do you remember or were you just um, in the zone
0: very much i was in the zone Mm. um i remember asking jane to stop taking photos at one point um just because the click was sort of bringing me out of the zone like because it was an actual camera oh okay, yeah it wasn't a phone like so it had that loud like Mm -hmm. and um it was kind of reminding me where i was Mm -hmm. um but yeah, they were very you know, John was sort of like doing the you know, the massaging my back and they were putting the ice on me and um but apart from that, yeah, they were kind of I didn't you know, and they was they were sort of saying encouraging things, but apart from that they were very much in the background for me. Yeah. Um but after after they saw what happened, they both sort of had this almost ptsd <laughs> yeah because yeah, like watching someone you love go through that and just being so powerless and i guess for, for them like they could see it all they could see the blood and mm-hmm. they could they could they i guess they had a more a better understanding of the doctors running around doing stuff whereas yeah. i was i still didn't really even when a lot of people came into the room it, i really didn't click um yeah so for them they had to process what they'd seen um and even now the video of the birth is really hard for my partner to watch yeah so he gets very emotional about that yeah yeah yeah
1: um i guess how was the newborn life do you remember (laughs) i don't remember i liked it Yeah.
0: yeah i know i know that that's not everyone's um experience but, I mean, you know, it obviously came with its struggles. She, she was a very colicky baby and mm. so we, we had to battle with that and she was in pain. Um, but um, I found those first, you know, few weeks just bliss. I loved it. I mm. loved having her in my little sling and going down to the market and just feeding her. I mean, feeding obviously really hurt mm. <laughs> to begin with. Um, but it just felt like a privilege. It felt like a massive privilege and that I just had wanted for so long and it was happening and I just loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Um we ran into some trouble when, you know, after that six weeks when she she was like just always a serial catnapper and yeah. would never have these big day naps that people talk about. Mm. She does actually now, (laughs) but for that first year, no, 20 minutes, 16 minutes.
1: On the boob or not?
0: Oh, look, she would sleep longer if she was on me. Yeah, same. And I would just, I blocked out this little room in my house, put the white noise in it, blacked out the curtains and stuff, and I would just sit in there for probably four or five hours a day, just trying to get her to sleep Mm. and then too scared to move if she was asleep. Mm. And, just because I was like all worried about like her development and stuff if she didn't get enough sleep and and then I I was obviously trying to start this business too so I'd be like in this black room rocking and trying to like write social media posts and mm. um and it was like over the summer 2019-20 summer so I felt like I was just inside and then of course we went into lockdown oh yeah <laughs> not long after that so it was just this sort of year of um yeah being yeah. being inside um but yeah you, you get through it don't you
1: <laughs> when akira was born mm. i didn't want her to take her anywhere mm. for the first four weeks of her life mm. i'm like she's a newborn yeah. i'm not gonna expose no her, vaccinations to her to anything. and yeah um but then it was weird being inside all the time even though like i'm a homebody yeah but it was just like it's me holding her all day yeah watching a movie yeah, like I'm not an active person, so I don't even think to get some sun, And go out for walks. Cause I'm like, I'm mm. happy. Yeah, holding her. Yeah, and she doesn't sleep as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and she would sleep for longer if she's on the boot. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I don't know better. Yeah, I thought she's feeding this whole yeah. time, but she <laughs> was just using me yeah. as a dummy. <laughs> oh. But like yeah. She's
0: been on the boob three hours yeah. now. <laughs> oh gosh, she has such she's so hungry. Yeah. <laughs> but you should see yeah. her when
1: she was little. She was mm-hmm. like rolls, rolls, rolls. Oh that's the cutest. Rolls. That is so cute. Oh I'll show you
0: a photo. Oh, please later. do. Please. Oh.
1: Um yeah. and then you start a business. okay mm-hmm. How is it going now?
0: Now it's great, like in terms of I think in, yeah I think her not sleeping was really hard like I definitely found that very very hard because I would I was trying to start this business and I was suddenly very passionate about it and I wanted to make it work so I didn't want to have to go back into the office mm-hmm. and um, I wanted to yeah have something that I could do around her but then she wouldn't sleep and mm-hmm. like painting obviously you can't just do it 16 minutes here mm-hmm. and 25 minutes there like you've got you've got to have that you know you know an hour two hours solid blocks Mm. um so I found it really hard but it did teach me to be like super productive so like the second she would fall asleep and I could put her down it was on like I was working I wouldn't have a glass of water I wouldn't go to the toilet I would not get up I would like I was not looking at my phone I would just work Mm -hmm. and that like, as she progressively got better at sleeping, I was still in that mindset and that sort of way of working, mm. which was like um, you've only got – like, you don't know when the, yeah. the alarm is going to go off, so you have to really put your head down now. And it's, it's really taught me how to be a lot more productive with less time. Yeah. So it was – I don't want to say it was good, um, but it has really – yeah it's helped me learn that which whereas before I was like I would fart around like yeah. I would you know oh check you know whatever Insta and you know look at this and get myself a cup of tea get settled and yeah no none of that now literally don't go to the toilet
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and what's what's next for you guys what's next for the business and-
0: yeah well we're moving so mm-hmm. that that's the huge thing that's happening right now just decided you know we didn't have enough drama we wanted to move into state as well on top of everything so um that's huge like moving into state with the babies is just like a lot to organize um and expensive Mm. um really more expensive than i thought Mm -hmm. like just even getting a truck up there to queensland we're going Brisbane um yeah so um it's weird it's a weird time because obviously I've got beautiful Lulu I've got this business that I love but you know this year I've I've lost Jane mm. I mean well late last year I lost Jane um and now I'm I'm leaving behind my family and friends so it's this very it's a yeah it's a real transition time that I'm hoping will be the right decision for our family. Yeah. Um. But it's a lot. Yeah. It's mm. a lot.
1: Mm. <laughs> Have you travelled with lula before, like on the plane? Mm. She's okay. Oh,
0: she is okay. She's. So I recently. So I've I've done a few trips with her because um, you know after lockdown, no one had met her. So my grandparents mm. had never met her. So we went there for Easter. Um, my dad's in Canberra so um, I, I've I've flown there a few times this year and one time I did it solo so it was just me and Lulu not my partner mm-hmm. and I was like whoa that is so much harder doing yeah. it solo like this so much to, like even just walking up those stairs to get on the plane and carrying her and carrying her bag and carrying my bag and I wanted to have the travel pram but I couldn't carry it all and um, yeah I was like I'm never doing it solo again and mm. but now when when I fly to to queensland because my partner has to drive the car up i'll be doing yeah. it solo so but
1: she can walk she can walk now she can
0: walk yeah she's a good yeah she's but she runs and she just wants to run mm. around the whole airport
1: um yeah i'm actually yeah worried about that because i feel like so last year we were meant to go to we were planning a trip um dan wants to go to japan mm. i want to go too mm. but the child mm-hmm She's going to do what she's going to do, right? So I'm like, okay, why don't you go to Japan, Dan? And then I'll go to Thailand separately with mm. the kids and I'll meet you. Mm-hmm. And he was like, are you, what? Yeah, it's a lot. Is are you serious? For him, it's like, what do you mean I'm getting all this time by myself? Like, uh. are, you, like are you sure? I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> going to make you feel better. You can go yeah. to Japan, do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. I don't want ninja classes. <laughs> you can go and do it. He wants to You know those hotels and it's just a cubicle? Oh yeah yeah, I've stayed in one of them before.
0: It's really uh where was I? Malaysia, I think. Or, um yeah, and you just kind of like slide yourself in there. And
1: then <laughs> um, that's not for me. Yeah. Um, and um yeah, so I don't want to do ninja lessons and I'm not like I like ramen, but I like it being made for me. I don't want to cook it. So, you know, you go do what you want to do. Yeah, I'll meet you in my in Thailand. So mm-hmm. I can eat anything I want without having to worry. Yeah, about him. Um, but the flight. But then COVID happens. We were yeah. going to go in April. Uh-huh. COVID happens. I'm like, thank God I didn't spend thousands and thousands of dollars. And I was worried about Akira not wanting to sit still. Mm. Because she would have been almost two. Mm-hmm. She would just want to walk and yeah. run the whole plane. Like
0: So the last trip I did, um, Lulu, so yeah, she's 18 months. And this was only a couple of weeks ago. This poor guy next to me is just like, you know, a man t- trying to take a flight. Mm-hmm. And she just kept trying to tickle him. Oh, my God. <laughs> she's going tickle, tickle, tickle. And just like tickling his legs and oh. all. <laughs> What can you do? You I mean, he only, was very polite. But. You
1: can only entertain them so much, and then yeah. afterwards, you're just like, "Yay, tickle!" Yeah, yeah. go for it. Can, yeah, yeah. Um, but
0: yeah, like that's a that was a short flight. It wasn't yeah. like six, seven hours. Yeah,
1: it's yeah. <laughs> crazy. But good luck. Good Thank luck you. with the move. Thank you very much. Mm. Thank
0: you. Um, yeah.
1: Was um, there anything else you want to add? Um, I don't think so.
0: I think, um, yeah, I i think that was good and um yeah it's a lot i know mm. and um, there's a lot of different tangents that i probably could talk about each of them you know <laughs> for hours on end but um yeah it's um it's actually nice to get it all off my chest and, yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah thank you so much for your story no, thank you thank you so much for your story <laughs> i said the first time i said it funny i don't know why <laughs> um, no and thank thanks you. for coming to see me thank you and to meet you properly yes yeah. yeah yeah
0: it's very strange having all these insta connections that mm-hmm. you feel like you know but it's like if i saw you in the street could i say hi because i don't actually i've never actually physically met you um but yeah i probably would because yeah i'm a bit awkward like that
1: <laughs> I, i'd do the same mm. i know you from somewhere yeah and it's hard sometimes you like you know the product, you know the brand. But if you don't see the person yes. with the stuff, it's yeah. just like you look We're, familiar. Yeah. Mm. Out of context. Yeah.
0: You're at Woolworths, but <laughs>
1: you look familiar. <laughs> One time I was like staring at this guy. I know him, but I don't know where from. And it's he's my neighbour.
0: Yeah. But Yeah, it's him. not he's not at his house yeah. where he belongs. Yeah, with a hose <laughs> in his hand.
1: Yeah, it was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, I hope you guys have a good day. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.